Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum. We do this every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. EDT or 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. And it's presented, of course, by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. If you'd like to join them, uh, it's very easy. Just go to this link, magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. They're a fantastic organization doing a ton of programming during this uh, crazy time. So definitely make sure you support. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Harrison Comedy. And this show, again, is every Monday, Wednesday, 7 p.m. EDT. And boy, uh, am I excited uh, for our guests today. Uh, they are doubleheader. Uh, I think the first time I met them was at Magic Camp. And I remember being told that these two people were coming to Magic Camp as special guest counselors and being uh, both nervous and thrilled at the prospect of being able to work with people who I've admired from afar for a very, very long time. I'm honored to now be able to call them uh, my friends. Uh, I, I love these guys both to death. It's a very important day for them. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Make some noise, get excited for Mike Caveney and Tina Leonard, everybody. Hey, Harrison. Hi, Harrison. We're good. There's already a ton of people. Uh, there's a howdy, guys. Uh, so I guess they're confusing you with Matt King. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, Bruce Sinclair saying, I really enjoyed the AMA perk last week. Egyptian Hall yeah. tour was fantastic. Good. Uh, people from Massachusetts as well and uh, and Vermont. Uh, but I alluded to this earlier. Uh, it is a very special day for you guys. Uh, it is your wedding anniversary. And uh, I know I know you told me not to get you anything, but I did get you some balloons. <laughs> hey. oh, thank you. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I tried to add on the, the years, but they started floating away. So that's, I tried that my best. Oh, yeah. 41st. That works. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that's my present to you guys. Can you yeah. just leave that up there the whole time? Yeah, because oh, we didn't get any decorations for this yeah. party. So oh, there you go. Tina is stuck behind the. Yeah, Tina's gone. But, <laughs> but let's let's talk about that because uh, can you walk us back to the first day you guys met each other? Did you, was it love at first sight or did it take a while? Who starts? You start. I start. Uh, we knew about each other. We're both castle members. Uh, so he was he joined before I did. So we knew of each other from a distance. And uh, one week we got booked at the castle at the at the Palace of Mystery. You know, they booked three acts there, so we were two of the acts. And that's really how I got to we got to really meet each other. And we just had really a lot of fun that right on that first week. So it was a friendship. It wasn't anything that I thought was going any further than that. But he was so much fun to be with. And I was dating different guys at different times, and but I always end up thinking, you know, Mike is really a lot more fun than these guys. Of course, <laughs> as so, we all know. So yes, here's my story. The story of hindsight. Here's my story. Even before that week together in the Palace of Mystery, Judy Carter was working down in the old wine cellar when that was the big theater, and I went down to see her. <clears throat> she was funny, and she had an assistant mime who acted as her table. Hey, should I be the table here? No. no. Tina walked out <laughs> and bent over at the waist, and Judy set stuff on her back like a candle and whatever, and she was going to make like a little restaurant table. So it was crazy and funny and weird. <clears throat> and afterwards, I thought, well, Judy was good, but I really liked that table. See, magicians do <laughs> They don't yeah. look at the performer. It's just... <laughs> Because they refer to magic assistants as walking tables, but Tina was literally, literally. A, yeah, literally was, a walking and, table. So she could serve a meal for this guy that she got up, you know, the spectator that she got up on stage. Yeah, it was pretty That's amazing. Cool. And how, who asked out who first? Was there a what was the first date like? 
It, it's a good question. Well, you took me to the zoo. We went to the zoo. But I didn't think of it as a date. You know, it's like it took me a yeah. while for it to, to come together. I, yeah, I was, how romantic watching rhinoceros, was, you know, dump in the weeds. Hey, but it was fun, <laughs> yeah. you know. It was, it was fun to not be on a real date that we were all nervous about impressing somebody. And well, the best way to have a first date is not even know about it. And then on the second date, be like, by the way, do you know we're dating? Yeah. yeah, no, it took a few months. No, because then we went to the Del Mar Fair because I had a friend that was performing there. And the only thing I remember about that is that when we left, I couldn't find my car in the parking lot. <laughs> like that Seinfeld episode, but real life. Yeah, most of the date was wandering up and down rows of this parking lot. So we got to talk. Yeah, it was okay. I didn't mind yeah. that at all because I, I do things like that too. So it was nice to have somebody else that would do that. You know? So clearly we were made for each other. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that was really because – it, yeah, it was slow, but it built and it just kind of kept going and going. And we had a few a few ups and downs, but um, those were probably lent to us getting together. I think sometimes you have to have a couple of breakups here and there. And then that's when you go, OK, I that was I should stay with that guy. And that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. And Mike was a big difference from your the boyfriend right before him. Right. Because I, I think I heard I heard that it was Andy Kaufman. That's right. We don't have to get into it, but that's I, I love that. So I love how I the say. story has gone yeah. blown out, blown out of. But Let thank you for you. hearing that. I mean, well, I, I, I have a huge connection to Andy's family because um, I, I won the Andy Kaufman Award back in the day, and so I stay in touch with his brother, and so I have like a personal connection with him and his uh, his brother, his uh, his nephew. So I, I, I love any story that is about Andy. Yeah. Well, um, we uh, Andy was nobody knew who Andy was, and he got this uh, job working on the Dick Van Dyke Variety Hour as did the LA Mom Company, which was me and, and four other people. So that's how we, you know, we're working on the same series. And I thought he was hilarious. I thought, I just loved his, because offstage, I just love people that when they're offstage, they're like this. And then when they're on stage, something happens, like this light turns on and they do, I'm so um, amazed by it. So that was, that really drew me to him. I was not, I was, it wasn't an attraction. I was just drawn to him. I wanted to, and he just wanted, he just had, didn't know anybody in LA. So we went to play, we went to the, the wrestling matches when he was trying to figure out his character and he would work on his foreign man. He didn't have the foreign man character either yet. This was, I think in 1976. From Taxi, so, that character. So yeah, that's how it ended up. But it was a character that he had. And he'd practice it by when he'd go to buy the tickets at the Olympic Stadium, was it? What was it? Downtown yeah, Olympic. downtown Olympic Stadium. He would use his um, his foreign man accent. And I would be, I could do that. I was very much. And then we'd go to the beach and he'd use this Tony Clifton. He was, he was working on Tony Clifton as well. So he, when he, you know, he was trying to win a little animal, you know, those little blow up things that cost less than what you pay to play the game. Um, and he said, I want this for my gal. I want to, you know, and he, it was just, he was really amazing. And um, he came to the magic castle. He'd always wear this pink coat because he, he had a thing about this coat that he had to wear. And even on stage, off stage all the time. And it was a little awkward. But yeah, it was lovely, but it, it wasn't dating. I mean, uh -huh. yeah. and it's only fair, Mike. Tell us about your ex girlfriends. Jeez. Uh, you have a good story. No, I don't have that many ex girlfriends. <laughs> By the way, you were quite the looker. I have some old photographs. Uh, this is amazing. Nice. This yeah. is beautiful. And I found a photo. Uh, you see, you sent me. See, the uh, chicks love that with all the thimbles. They said, well, there's oh, a Oh, that's what makes the girl go crazy. He knows magic and he might sew. Jeweled thimbles. Where's his phone number? <laughs> Here, here's a picture, by the way, I dug up of you and Stan Allen doing a duo act. Yep. 
Uh, this was another photo of you guys doing with the same barrel. Oh yeah. And the same right. costume. So here's the problem. Here's the problem with this. Um, Douglas and Allen. That's that's what this act was called. Stan and I. And um, where's the Douglas I, part? He's Stan Allen, but how did Douglas enter into this? My middle name. Ah, got gotcha. it. And I think it's Stan's middle name too. Uh, his real middle name is Albert, but oh. he took. We thought because you know Stan's real last name is Sikulski, so we thought Sikulski and Caveney. How's that going to look on the marquee? Uh, <laughs> Douglas and Allen. So we were both the, virtually the same age. Both had brown hair. Both about six foot one. We both had the same costume on. So we thought, well, we'll do the sub trunk, but we'll we'll top Siegfried and Roy. We'll do it with a barrel. So um, Stan, I'd lock Stan in the barrel, and I'd get up on top of the thing and pull the curtain. Bam! Stan would whip the curtain open, and there he was instead of me. And the audience would go, "What's the effect? What happened?" <laughs> they couldn't tell that anybody even changed places. So the act didn't last. I like that the uh, the generic white guy switching for the generic white guy. Exactly. <laughs> I eventually had a mustache, but this actor. Oh, I know it. I have that photo as well. You do? Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, here it is. This is the only one I could find. Um, it's enough. There's enough uh, blurriness that it could also just be uh, diverted. Okay. But that is, I believe, okay, a photograph of you with your mustache. Yeah. That's actually, so blurry that I can say, yeah, that's not me. When <laughs> I knew him when he shaved his mustache off, and that kind of helped bring things oh, yeah. along a little better because I didn't think. About I can that. explain that mustache <laughs> right out of college. Right out of college. I started doing trade shows and here I am this punk kid telling all these big business guys what they should be doing with their money. So I thought, well, maybe a mustache will make me look a little bit older. So I grew a mustache. No, that's a good one. I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a significant one. That's like a, oh, yeah. that's, a that's a full on commitment. Well, early seventies. No, I love it. And when you guys, so you guys were dating, how long between you guys starting dating and then I believe you got engaged in England. That is somehow connected to the Magic Circle. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. We went did the Magic Circle Christmas show. Um, when was that? 78? Uh, yeah, because we got married April 79. So yeah. Yeah. It was a, yeah. Now that kind of really solidified our relationship. We already were in a relationship. What, getting and... married solidified our relationship? <laughs> yeah. No. I'd say so. it, it, it solidified that for me, it meant that, okay, this is a guy I really want to marry. But I couldn't say anything. Oh, yeah. Because Tina figured that out before I did. Yeah, I, I, I got kind of obsessed with it, but I knew that I should not ever even, I think he got that he kind of sensed it, but I was so careful to not bring up the subject of marriage because that was going to ruin it. Because so <laughs> were, were you leaving a little clues? Like, those rings are beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, uh, no, I, um, what was I going to say? I just uh, felt that this is, this is what I was thinking. If we have it, whenever we have our first fight, I wouldn't want him to say to me, oh, wait, it was your idea to get married. See? Good thinking. <laughs> so here's how that went down. We're in England at Magic Circle. This is Christmas time. So it is freezing in London. But I'm, I had this all figured out. I'm going to pop the question on New Year's Eve. At midnight, we're going to walk down to Trafalgar Square in the middle of London where they have these big, giant fountains that are completely frozen solid. And at midnight, I'm going to pop the question. Well, so we're two Californians, right? And we're bundled <laughs> up as best we can. And I mean, it's 
even the Londoners were saying, this is cold. <laughs> and I'm looking at, come on, come on, waiting for midnight. Tina's got thing hat on and a coat wrapped around her head and a scarf. So you might have the wrong person. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so I popped the question. My the big moment. I popped the question, <clears throat> and the response I got was Tina looked over and said, "I'm freezing my ass off. I'm going back to the hotel." I didn't hear. And that. I said, "I'll take that as a yes." <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. That's, that is the perfect the perfect engagement. Oh. It didn't it didn't seem so at the time, but it's a good story now. Oh. oh no, that's amazing. And and as I jumped into your your backgrounds, your your acts and your approach are very opposite, right? Mike is talking a lot, it's comedy, yeah. it's not very serious. Tina is is generally silent. Um it's a lot more dramatic and elegant. Yep. Is, I think that contrast sort of is is one of the reasons you guys have had that attracted you to each other and then has made it last. Yeah, because I admire people that that have that that are I don't say funny that people that can actually I don't like the word funny sounds too trite, but I really love people that with a sense of humor. I've always loved a sense of humor, and you were fascinated with mine, weren't you? I really was. I never practiced mime or did mime, but I was very fascinated with mime, and uh, I think that's why I like Judy Carter's table is because uh, Tina just didn't. I mean, she was like a mechanical doll that came out and did all this stuff. And I found it fascinating. Oh, there it is. Very <laughs> famous picture. That that picture with Tina with her tongue out ended up on a greeting card. Yeah. Oh, wow. What was it for? Uh, it was a small greeting card company. And uh, this was a photo session. The reason I was sticking my tongue out is because I just quit drinking coffee. This guy, a friend of mine, just wanted to do a fun photo session with me. Oh, I and just wanted the card to open up and it just says, uh, I'm freezing outside, but yes. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, this was not meant to be. I was just goofing off because I was really cranky because coffee. And that ended up, he saw, and I, I signed it off. It wasn't like it was, he, did it, he, did, he didn't do it in my, my back. I gave him permission to do whatever he wanted to. So he sold us this greeting card company, and then I saw it in a store. I don't know how I discovered it, but I saw it. I don't it know what occasion you would make you it buy says, that It picture. says hello there or something. Yeah, oh. no, just a, Oh, this is a great picture because I, I wish I could find that kid. Kid's probably like 40 something. Oh, yeah, he's definitely not a kid anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to look this way. And I would love to meet that kid. It'd be amazing that the kid was like famous or, or or not famous. Like, and that kid was John Wayne Gacy or like something. Right, right. But this is when this is when I met Tina and she was working in the street. I was up, uh, this was Westwood Village. Westwood, out by UCLA. And I can tell a little story about this. I was at Westwood Village and not too many street performers at that time. So it was pretty, I kind of, the, the field was pretty open, not like it is now. Now you have to get permits and even that. So I'm out there um, in there and there's quite a big crowd around me and then I'm in heaven. I mean, this is what I was, I didn't never dreamed I could do this kind of thing. So I'm out there doing that. And then uh, there was always pe people taking pictures. So that was really nice. So once a cop came over to me and said, um, uh, you can't do this. That's uh, you're, you're creating a which I just you're creating too big of a crowd, which is like the best compliment anybody could get, right? right. <laughs> Sorry right. for being yeah. awesome. I, yeah. I, I thought you know that ain't right. I so in my co in that little costume, I drove over to the police department and I turned said, yourself in. I, <laughs> in I said, look, I'm really having fun. The people out there are really enjoying it. What's why can I not do that? I know, no, I said, 
the cops said that they were going to bring me into the police station if I kept doing that. So I walked in myself and I said, would they really do that? And they started laughing and they said, if cops came in pulling that yeah. little doll in there, we would laugh them out of there. <laughs> so I didn't you don't even have to be in jail though. You can just leave you in an empty room and you can be like, oh no. Yeah, I know, right. I know. I, I don't know why, but they were, it was just so funny because they, they thought it was really funny that I turned myself in. <laughs> Well, let's get into that a little bit because um, before you were a mime, uh, you were a musician. Um, I didn't know this until, and, and I should plug this, is you have a, a, an essay coming out for the Astonishing Essays collection uh, that Vanishing Ink puts out. Um, it isn't out yet, but it's going to be out soon, so definitely make sure you check it out. Um, but you went into your bio a little bit, and you mentioned being from Venezuela, which I didn't know, speaking fluent Spanish, which is uh, definitely has to come in handy. It's very yeah. handy. Yeah, it's been very. like that's how Mike learned. Mike does his act in Spanish, and I had to. This is my Spanish it. teacher. <laughs> that requires a lot of trust because I worked with translators, and you always I have to know. trust that they're telling you that you're, they're, what you're asking them to translate is what they're giving you. Right. <laughs> so anyway, wait, what was your story? Oh no, I was saying. I, so you started off in the arts with. Well, uh, with art. Yeah, yeah, that was my whole passion um, in high school. I just I started out playing rock guitar. I was in an all girls rock and roll band, which was a whole other thing. And we broke up because a chick band, whatever. <laughs> and um, so I uh, switched over to classical, and that became my passion. And uh, although I didn't go right into college with guitar because I knew it was practical, I needed to do something practical. So I went to secretarial school instead, learned to be a secretary. So you became a mime. Yeah, well, I, my heart was not into being a secretary after a while. So uh, yeah, the mime came secretary? What, I'm sorry? How good a secretary were you? Secretary of the year. Yeah, I got the award. Did I put, I, yeah, it was my college and my school. Oh yeah, no, I, was, I was setting you up for that because I have it in, there it is. Yeah. Oh my! I was the Nancy Taylor girl. There it is. That was when I was going. You know, there was they had charm school as part of it. So they, I must have like known how to walk like a girl or something. I don't know. So I got the award. I was secretary student of the week, but also secretary of the year. Amazing. Yeah, in her spare time, Tina loves to play the guitar, make her own clothes, and in her spare time, do photographic modeling. Oh, I that's know right. What kind of modeling there is other than the photographic time? I, I, at least at this time. But not, yeah. what you're thinking, not what you're thinking, That's but they're amazing true. photographs. Amazing. You knew as soon as you started doing secretary work, you're like, this is absolutely not the light for me. No. Yeah, but I'm glad I went through that. I, first of all, I learned skills. I can type really well. so um, And I just learned business skills, which is good. I mean, I don't regret it. And it, it's what set me to the right place. I can't do this. I have to, do, I have to really try to do what I love to do. And at the time, it was classical guitar. So that lasted for a couple of years. I went to, I almost graduated and I did my senior recital on that. But that picture of Tina playing the classical guitar oh, can you bring it back that you me? had up there a second ago, I don't even see Tina Leonard in that picture. Oh, I totally it, do. If I had met her then, yeah. we wouldn't be sitting here now. Mm. No, there's no way I would have met Mike. But the, the photo that you showed, I think you showed it, of Tina sitting in the little gypsy wagon. Uh, yes, at, from the Renaissance Fair. At the Renaissance Fair. That's my favorite picture of Tina. We actually have a really nice print of that hanging in our house. Yeah. And that's the Tina that I met back all those years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's when we met. Or no, we met after that because I wasn't into magic yet. I have my big uh, – I went to the Magic Castle, and that's what changed my whole life to, to do the, the magic thing. But uh, this was before that. So and, Mike, yours was much more of a straight line to magic. Like you were a kid. Your first job is working at a magic store. 
it's magic. Oh, I have no idea. I just I used to go to uh, uh, LA City College, and on my way to drive to, to school, on I live in Laurel Canyon. Um, I'd pass the Magic Castle every day, and I go, "Oh, what's that? Oh, that's pretty cool. All right." Um, and I was this was the, I was making the mime transition at the same time from classical guitar. They kind of were bumped into each other for a while. So uh, I was really into the classical guitar, and then um, oh no, then I was in, after when I was into mime. That was a whole other transition. But as a mime, by the time I was um, established as a mime, mime was like not cool anymore. So the thing, thing <laughs> it was cool at some point. It started. It was. It almost. It kind of went. No, it was cool. Uh, it was cool. You thought so, but uh, it was. It was painful. <laughs> the street was lovely at first it was like i, I i'm so glad i did the street but when robin williams was doing it and and yeah uh, yeah but he, anyway robert shields but they left it soon enough anyway the point is is that my work was gone it was it started you know when i first started doing the, the doll act out on the street people would stop and go oh wow what's that by the time i ended after those three years the people would go oh there's another one you know that's where it went oh what's that too oh there's another one so I was in a kind of a the dumps knowing what to do. And then a friend of mine who was a street magician took me to the magic castle, although I knew where it was. And I walked into the magic castle and I said, I got to figure, I got to do this, whatever. I got to be here. I don't know why. I just love this old building. So I called the magic castle and I said, uh, I'm a mime. I'd like to work at the magic castle. What do I have to do? And Bill Larson answered the phone mm. in those days. Uh, actually, Jean Cantor answered it, but she, she handed it over to Bill. And Bill said, well, you have to be a magician. <laughs> I can only imagine. What, what do you think Jack Goldfinger would say to you if you had called him up and said you were a mime? I'm trying to think of the, uh, the Jack and <laughs> so you. Yeah. you know, he'd probably say, send me a video. You know? <laughs> I think he'd be like, the quietest thing you can do is be loud. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing. thing you can be is quiet. Tina started out in an all-girls rock and roll band, then got deep, deep into classical guitar, then became a mime, then a magician, then a harpist, then picked up the ukulele. Now she's teaching online yoga, and when the pandemic's over, back teaching live yoga classes. So it's like every at least every eight or ten years, there's Tina on the harp, Tina does a complete 180 and and dives headfirst into some completely new thing. But and how does that feel? Uh, you just laughing off being a great magician the whole time. Just one thing. Yeah, I know. I know. And can you get us to, so that gets Tina to the Magic Castle. She's about to meet you. Can you catch us up to, to how you get to that point? Very simple. My story is much less interesting. I was nine years old. My cousin, John, gave me a little set of three quarter inch multiplying billiard balls. And a, a road opened up before me that I could see all the way down to the end of my life. I knew that I would follow that road forever with no deviations. And I had discovered my my life. And yeah, I, I was interested in other things. And in school, I was uh, on the cross country team and the uh, track team. And, you know, that was interesting. But my uh, magic was always first always that took precedent if there was a conflict sorry i got a show i was almost a fireman i <laughs> went truly in college i went and tried out for the fire department uh and i passed the first phase of this thing and they said you have to come in for to be interviewed on saturday morning i said oh i, I have a show 
And they said, well, you want to be a fireman, you got to come to this interview. And I said, look, I can come anytime except Saturday morning. And they said, it's Saturday morning. And I said, nice knowing you. <laughs> that was the end of my fire career. Is Mike Caveney firefighter? Does he does he live in an old firehouse with all the firehouse collectibles? He he probably would. Yes. <laughs> Even as a kid, it's kind of weird. I liked old things, and not even magic things, just things that were old. I felt like they had a story to tell and they'd been around and seen it all. And I loved old things. So this situation behind me and in the rest of this house maybe isn't so surprising. And you said before though, that your priority is magic, but I, I assume Tina is number one and then magic. Mm, of course. Have magic at number one and then each other at number two. Especially that, no. on this day. <laughs> okay, okay, I gotta straighten that out. Uh, happy, happy anniversary! Hey. No, one of the things that attracted me to Mike was that he had that passion for something. I wouldn't want to be with somebody that was like, you know, there are guys that do that. They just, you know, they want every minute they're thinking, they're saying, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You know, and I don't like somebody doing that to me. So that was really, that was a real plus that he was so passionate about what he did. And he was so good at it at the same time. It was like not a, just a, a thing he did. He was, and he still is. I mean, I, I really appreciate that about him. And then this is, I think, is, I think there's a picture of you in the house that you're in right now. Yeah. It is indeed. That was 1984. And we're still here. Yep. Yeah, so five years after you guys got married, this yep. is the house. Well, yep. you're talking about loving old things. What about this house made it uh, the special place you guys wanted to spend uh, up till now in? Um, so the, that house, here's the thing. Like I said, we used to, we used to go running. We used to run 10K races down by the Rose Bowl, which is very near to here. So we used, we'd come over to this neighborhood. We lived, I don't know, eight miles away and we just go jogging. And I came jogging down this street and I saw that house. And I just remember stopping going, wow, what do you have to do to live in a house like that? And I ran back to the car and Tina came back to the car. And I said, hey, on the way home, I want to drive you by a house that I saw. And Tina said, okay, but I want to take you by a house that I saw. And we took each other back to the same house. Ah, that's so perfect. That, that was like yeah, our dream right. house. Now, it wasn't for sale, and it wouldn't be for sale for years. So we wouldn't afford it anyways. And we couldn't afford yeah, it, and we didn't want to move, and a million streets. things. Yeah. But then I came jogging down this street one day, and there was a for sale sign. And I thought, oh, my God. We can't afford this. What are we going to do? This is our house. Uh, and it was a very long, ugly story, but we bought the house. No, that's amazing. I, that would not have happened in New York. In New York, you would have uh, yeah. to an apartment and been like, oh, there's no bathroom. The kitchen is four feet by four feet. Yeah. But there's there's uh, an extra room. So we're, we're in. Two million dollars. So I remember the real estate lady. She met us there then. And she, we stood out front and talked about it. And she said, well, would you like to go in and see it? And I remember thinking... <laughs> It's really not necessary. We'll take it. But okay. So we went in and we walked around the main floor and then we came upstairs and there's this bedroom and this bedroom and this bedroom and this bedroom. And then we go down to this giant basement and we thought, what on earth are we going to do with all this space? We'll have to board up half of these rooms. And of course, 36 years later, this place is bursting at the seams. Yeah, but, I have a couple of pictures of that. Uh, yeah, it's a perfect house for us. We, yeah. There's two of the old bedrooms. We ended up taking a wall down and blowing the ceiling out and, and turning that into Egyptian Hall Museum. 
And is this you, uh, what, what is happening here? Because it looks like you're in a warehouse. Good question. In 2000, George Daly and I bought Egyptian Hall Museum from David Price III, and we spent all of our money, and we divided this collection up between us as equal partners, but we had to get some of our money back. So we put on a, a, a two-day sale. Saturday was a, a fixed price sale, and Sunday was an auction. And I would say there has never been another magic sale like that before or since. Remember, this collection started in 1895, and it never stopped. People adding to it, buying and adding and trading. And so there were, there were treasures in there that were just unbelievable. Uh, so when the magic world heard about this, it took place, like you said, it wasn't a warehouse. It was a factory out in the middle of cornfields in Pennsylvania. And like the movie said, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and when we announced this sale in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, all the magic collectors came. And that was the auction, uh, the Sunday auction. And uh, it was the biggest sale of magic memorabilia in the history of magic up till that time. So it was unbelievable. And this is part of the half that I got from Egyptian Hall. And during this quarantine time, I was trying to say Corona and quarantine at the same time. Uh, during this time, is there, uh, is this kind of been a little bit of a positive, give you more time to kind of go through the collection? It's not a little bit of a positive. <laughs> Tina and I are Where embarrassed. I feel guilty. <laughs> First like of all, having the best time. This is yeah. like the, what I call the, an introvert's dream. Yeah. <laughs> I've never dreamed. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'll probably, yeah, it, it's been really interesting. I get to practice and I, I um, get to run and practice in my yoga and the, my instruments and um, read. I've never gotten around to reading much. So, yeah, it's, I'm okay. You know, we've always worked at home. So, this isn't some big drastic change for us. And, uh, it's a big house, so we we have our own areas, and you know when you've got a magic museum like that in one room, and downstairs a magic library, um, it's impossible to get bored here. So we're kind of enjoying, you know, being forced to stay home. Yeah, I mean, I think the only other person in magic is Copperfield, where he has his whole warehouse where he can just. I, I imagine he has a giant bathtub with like gold cloth feet. And he can pour collectibles like <laughs> a treasure bath. Yeah. Do you guys, uh, is there any competition between you two guys? Or are you guys very helpful with each other? Because you guys both have incredibly impressive collections. Well, look, I love my collection. And I'm very proud of this collection. Nobody, nobody can come close to what David has put together in Las Vegas. I mean, if you put everyone, all the collections I've ever visited in my life together, it, I don't think it would approach what, what David has done. That's just one of the advantages of being a billionaire. Yeah, there are many. So, so that's why I've spent a good chunk of time over the last two or three years up in Las Vegas working in David's museum, helping him organize it, put it together. And so I get to, I get to play with all that stuff without being a billionaire. That's amazing. Is there anything weird? Have you ever stumbled upon anything just bizarre? Uh, I'm hoping there's a body. I have not discovered a body, but... There are weird things. There are odd, weird things. I'll leave That's it. Amazing. I, I, by the way, I, we were speaking of old houses. 
uh, when we did Abbott's together, the first time I ever went to Colon, yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, it was my favorite Colon story was you guys, you were with, uh, I think you were with Rob Zabrecki. Yeah. Well, when you were there, we were with oh, Zabrecki yeah. and Arden James and Mark Kornhauser and Chris Hart. Yeah, and you guys invited me over and all the streets are named after magicians. I think you were on Blackstone Way. Blackstone Avenue. Blackstone Avenue. And I went on the left instead of a right. So there's like a north and a south Blackstone Avenue. So I went north instead of south. And I walked into the correct address, but it was like north, whatever the number was, north Blackstone Way. And I walked into the house, which was unlocked, got into the living room. And an old lady with no fear was like, honey, are you lost? And I was like, uh, no, I think I'm supposed to come to this address. I'm looking for Mike and Tina. And they were, she was like, oh, no, I think you're on the, you mean South Blackstone Avenue. <laughs> and no other town in America can you walk into a person's house. No. And not only was she not scared, right. she offered to help me immediately. Right. Try that in New York City and let us know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, we were talking about uh, collectibles and, and, and old things. Um, I believe you mentioned a friend who might be able to help us with that. Um, this is uh, one of my favorite people, Rob Zabrecki, everybody. Hi, Christina. Hey, hey, Harrison. How are you guys? How you doing? I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you uh, if you were doing any kind of uh, anything dark or untoward. Um, no. But if there's, uh, if you have any ability to, to maybe uh, top Copperfield here and, and bring forth uh, a magician that uh, none of us have spoken to in a long time. Well, I could do that. You know, I was thinking, uh, I was I was watching along and it occurred to me that it's your it's your anniversary and I'd love to be there to help you celebrate it. And you're there and I'm here. Yes. So it seemed to me that the only natural thing to do to offer you a little gift would maybe be a, a little seance to contact a spirit from the other side. Maybe uh, maybe a famous magician. Fantastic. Would you accept that as a as an anniversary gift? Wait. Houdini? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. This is not a science. We don't know. We I don't know. Why I said that. Okay. I don't I don't either. What I do know, Mike and Tina and Harrison and everyone watching, is that if you believe, you will receive. So now what we must do is across the internet form a seance circle with our hands. So go ahead and take your fingers and place them on the keyboard just like this. That's right. <laughs> Don't close your eyes entirely because you'll miss it. And let me now call upon the spirit of a great magician, one who was once a, a president of a famous magic club. I won't say which one just yet. A man of great achievement. Hold on. Don't get ahead of ourselves just yet. Let me, let me dial him in. Here the, okay. Must call him on my spirit phone. So stand by. Here we go. Here we go. This is so weird. I haven't clicked on anything. I don't know how this is even on the screen right now. Harrison, please be quiet. I'm calling. Don't Must be long distance. Yeah. Very long distance. Very long distance. Okay. You no expense. Hello! Uh, uh, hello! Hello! Have we made contact with the Great One? Uh, I, if you are talking about Harry Houdini, then yes! Thank you, Mr. Houdini, for joining us. 
Today I've been a... thinking all day about love and magic because of the day that it is. Yes. The day of union and yes. celebration for two very magical people who that love spending the rest of your life with someone you want to kill, but you don't because you would miss them. <laughs> correct. That is correct, Mr. Houdini. As you so well knew with, with Bessie. Yes, of course. Is she with you there, Houdini? She is near me doing yoga. Yoga, of course. Oh, I can feel her spirit here. Yes. Has of she course. stopped drinking? Yes. I want to wish a wish for Mike and Tina for their for their anniversary today. And, and it's so much much more love and much more quarantine because I know they are enjoying all the money they are saving not going out to eat. <laughs> that is true. That is true. They do like to, to cut corners where possible, of course. Yes. They're magicians after all. You would know. Yes. Well, they represent so much love in the magic world. Their beautiful house has been home to many a union and a celebration. So many great magicians have celebrated their love at that beautiful house that houses their love for so many years. Derek and Vanessa. Yes, of great course. Great and incredible, unbelievable Derek Hughes and Derek Hughes. Yes, celebrated there. Oh, oh, oh! Oh, wow! Has so much contemporary information about people that wrong. That's not Houdini. That's Derek Hughes. He didn't call. Oh, ignore the man behind the icon. This seance is over. Your career is this band. I'm hanging up now. I'm going straight to the newspaper. You're a fake. I'm sorry. I don't know what went wrong there, guys. My apologies. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was very special. I, I love that. Rather, we'd rather talk to Derek Hughes than Houdini. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking uh, about? That was absolutely Houdini, Mike and Tina. <laughs> I don't know who you're speaking of. Well, okay, but Houdini lives in Minneapolis. <laughs> By the way, I got them in Appleton, Wisconsin, Minneapolis. They're all kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. all blurs in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Rob, do you have any? I, I, do you have any fun stories about uh, Mike and Tina that you might share? No. Okay. Good to you, Rob. <laughs> Safety. No. Okay. The the story about Mike and Tina really is that I I knew them when I was a lost little lamb, and I was I was looking to reinvent myself, and uh, my wife Tommy and I had this VHS. We were just getting into magic called the Story of Magic, and Mike and Tina were talking heads on this said VHS tape. And we we deified them, we admired them, we started seeing them at the Magic Castle perform and were in awe with how fully formed and dedicated they were to magic. We were just getting into it and we just saw them as this, not only model performers in their own right, but as a, as a couple, they were this a force of nature. And uh, over time, we got to know them, and the more I get to know Mike and Tina, the more I love them, and they're like family to me. Um, so th that that's the story. Is that uh, it's it's been a um, they've been a, a great part of my you know existence in magic and a, a, as a person. That's a nice story, Z. Yeah. 
No, it's beautiful. I was trying to find, here's a great picture of you guys on stage uh, at the Magic Castle. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. oh wow. Yeah, it's with, with Ar the great Arden James. Yeah. That's the Rat Show. That's the Rat Show. Rob which Mike Caveney directed it. And I'll tell you, Mike walked us through that rope routine uh, where Tina walks through that rope. And it 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 only came together because we we sweat over it uh, many afternoons uh, at, at Chateau, uh, the Swedish Chateau. What, what is it? What do you call it? What's the nickname for your house? The, yeah. the Chalet Gourmet? Uh, wait. The Chalet. The Chalet. The, yeah, the, the chalet. chalet. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> the Chalet. By the way, uh, at Abbott's, you mentioned there was somebody else who was also uh, staying with you. Um, you might know him from the Adams Family movie. You might oh. know him from this photo right over here. Here's Lauren, everybody. The hair color might have changed, but exactly the same. Best anniversary ever. <laughs> um, well, I have to say, uh, well- hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. How much yeah. you want for that Alexander poster? <laughs> You, you hey, let me tell you something. It's a sad day that Norm Nielsen died yesterday, uh, but I bought it from Norm Nielsen, and you told me I overpaid it seventy five dollars. So, <laughs> you know what? It's worth it's worth it getting it from Norm to pay yes. the extra seventy five. He was a hero. Not to, I don't want to bring down your anniversary. He was a hero. But that's another day for another show. Um, I'm excited to be. Let me tell you a couple things. Uh, first of all, Rob Zabrecki did a bunch of of, of bits, and I I actually worked on a bit, but I didn't tell Harrison I was working on a bit. I'm a little reluctant to do it. Um, oh, yeah, but you should do it, absolutely. All right, I'll do yeah, it. Well, here's the thing, we're a month friend. And you Chris, know- that was, bit. that was not a bit. That, that was, was very real. real. Oh, no, no, I know yours is real, but I'm saying offering something to the <laughs> to the Katie's. So here's the thing. Um, I, uh, Tina and I go way back, so we work on ideas together. And I feel, you know, you want a safe environment. And Rob Zabrecki, I feel, is a safe environment. You're, you're new, but you're a professional comedian, uh, uh, Harrison. And so I would like your advice on this. I'm working on some stuff. Sure. Here's the thing. I'm realizing there's a lot of these shows now, and I need some panel shtick. Now, you can explain to your viewers what shtick is. Uh, and when you go on a panel- like, what my grandmother calls jokes. Right. <laughs> when you go on, like Steve Martin would go on The Tonight Show, and he'd prepare what you call panel shtick because you were going to go have some bit of business, right? So I thought, I, I have to be honest with you, this is not a lie, I actually have to be on a Franz Ferrari show at six o'clock. So, uh, <laughs> How embarrassing. So I thought, I, now you can, just be honest with me, Harrison, everyone give feedback. I thought, here's what I would do. I would open with a little comical joke, and then I would go into the bit of business. So here's the opening line. Uh, who knew this pandemic, oh, the, this pandemic's like a new vaudeville. I'm doing six live shows a day. All right. So that was the joke oh, part. All right, that was it. Okay, all right. <laughs> Six live shots. Is this mic on? Is this mic on? All right. All right. You know, the great thing about this quarantine is is you're spending a lot of time at home. So I was cleaning up the other day, and strangely enough, I found an old newspaper article from the 70s. Uh, Anne Remember Dear Abby? Uh, Dear Abby? Yeah, a new article on her I found on my desk, very old, but it said five ways to reduce stress. And I thought this is very timely in this, this day and age. Uh, it says, Dear Abby, I'm a housewife, stay-at-home mom, feeling very stressed and depressed. Can you help? And Dear Abby responds, uh, Dear stressed and depressed, I'm happy to help. Here are five tips to reduce depression. Number one, uh, music can heal the soul. Go, soul. go out to a concert. All right, let's get rid of this one here. Okay. 
I've got four more. It's okay. Uh, laughter is the best medicine. Go to a comedy club. I'm All getting right. stressed and depressed. <laughs> uh, nature is magic. Go to the beach or a park with friends. Okay, we can. That's all right. I've got. I've. Uh, I've got a couple more. Uh, giving back to others can help. Go to a rally uh, for your favorite charity. Okay, we can't do that. Okay, we got one more. Oh, we can do this one here. This one is uh, read your horoscope. It might brighten your future. And luckily, on the back of this article, it has the horoscope. Uh, I'm Pisces, and it says right here. Oh, this is good news. You are not the father. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget to wear your mask. Don't forget. All right. I won't be doing that on the Franz Ferrari don't show. Don't do it on Franz. That bit is perfect for that show. It is yeah, just. I would agree. In fact, I wish you had done it on Franz's show instead of this show. Yeah. Do it for that show, for sure. Tell me don't do it on this one, but do it on Franz's show. One. Absolutely. <laughs> I have one note, Chris. Yes. One note. Uh, take off the shirt. Well, you know, let me tell you something. As magic people, that was actually an idea for a clipo routine. But you don't know, in a pandemic, getting rubber cement is harder than cigarettes in jail. So you actually cigarettes in jail. Chris, you actually fooled me because I thought you were doing clipo. And when it didn't restore, bam, you got me. <laughs> I like that the only tricks that fool Mike are tricks that, that don't have an ending. Yeah. Like, I said pick a card and then I never found it. That would be more amazing. amazing. Before I, before I leave, can I tell one nice story about Mike and Tina when I first met them? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. I, well, I just want to say, you know, because you asked, uh, Rob, this is my main memory of Mike and Tina. I think I met Tina first in the magic shop. She'd come in to buy some props for the act she was working on. And I think I knew her first. But the buzz all around was because they were the king and queen of magic and had these parties. And every year they had this splash party, splash in or something. And I worked behind the counter at Hollywood Magic. And my biggest dream is like, one day I got to get to that party. Because all the big wigs in Magic went there. And I said, one day I got to get okay, to that party. You will. And it took years, <laughs> of years of just waiting and hoping. And then one day I got invited to that party. And it was the greatest, still the greatest day, one of the greatest yeah. days of my life. Very easy to please. Right. So uh, I was going to say, Crystal, great story. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a fact. On the very few times that I have any ideas for an act, uh, I go to Christo, uh, I always go to Christopher because he always has these great ideas and he just, they seem to just come out of his head. He helped me a lot on the, on the mop act, on the scarf and ring acts. He just has this, <laughs> no, no clip for me. Um, but no, it's just been like, he's just one of those really great creators and I've always been very grateful for his friendship. All right. Thank you. And all the magic, uh, the old antique illusions that we've done on the magic history conference, oftentimes, I've called Bobby Z, and I've called Christopher Hart, uh, and it's a big favor to ask. Yeah, Can, would you mind coming over to my house week after week after week, standing out in the driveway, trying to figure out how we can make this old antique trick interesting and entertaining? Yeah, and well, yeah. Chris is really great, really great at that. Well, it, but I'll tell you, be honest with Mike, it was just really an opportunity to work with John Lovick. That's really... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. I, I did just to get in that bellhop costume because I know they're like... They're like the it's still in the basement if you ever want to come over and try it on. Cool. <laughs> I got one more thing for Zabrecki. You know there's a thing where they say you should never meet your hero because you'll get disappointed? Zabrecki's my hero right now. And I, I, don't, I can't be disappointed. And I'm, he's my hero because of everything he's been through and how he got through it. And the hardest worker practices, you know, he just has all this great work ethic. So yeah, he's 
got this natural talent. But what I admire so much about him is I, I look to him as someone who just really knows how to how to work on something and just not give up and just be there and then have the guts to perform it. You know, it takes those two things. You can um, he just has he's very daring. But he also works really hard to prepare to be daring, and I'm really grateful. So, so I'm not convinced that it's a natural talent. And the reason I say that well, is because Tina and I remember many years ago at the Magic Castle when Rob Zabrecki first showed up and wasn't booked but was coming was in to Carney's, do a little Carney's, Carney's Wonder workshop, workshop and yeah. trying out a trick. And I, we used to come home going, man. That guy's got a long path to travel before he's got anything because well, it was it was weird and not commercial really. And he showed up every week and he would do a routine over and over. And now jump ahead 20 years, and it's unbelievable what Rob has done. Okay, let me let me think, let me uh, what about what I said natural talent. It was hidden, but it was there. I mean, he's got stuff. He can do stuff that none of us can do. And as hard as he works, I think I could work that hard, and I couldn't do that. So the the biggest laugh, like remember the the Jack Benny show, the biggest laugh in in, in radio was the silence. moment of silence when they said when it was like your money or your life, and he Jack Benny silent. said, "I'm thinking yeah. about it." No, he waits and then he yeah. Goes. Well, Zabrecki, when he does the hug kill thing, I would stand backstage every night with my timer, and how long was it? Like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> a minute of every time it, and uh, I'd be there, and every time I, you know, he'd go, ah, I gotta get. Back. So he, <laughs> he after the the kill thing comes up, I mean, he owns that routine. I know. Um, the kill thing comes up, the laughs just go forever, and he's not afraid to stand there. I know Tom Stone <laughs> invented that routine and put it in a book, but if it were up to me, I would bar everyone in the world from yeah. doing that routine yeah. except Bobby Z. It fits so, him much better than it fits Tom Stone or anybody else. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, there's got to be some unspoken thing because I've, I work hard and I can't get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys do a lot well, of shows. You don't, you don't know what a difficult routine that is to perform, but technically it's very, very hard. A lot, a lot of moves in the routine. So, intensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harry Houdini, by the way, sent a private chat, chat to say Hug Kill is Rob's bit. Uh, well, he would know. Yes. So absolutely on record, Harry Houdini. If you want to try to call him back, he might be able to tell you. That. Right. Is that a Thayer's wrapping hand? Uh, which one? Oh, this one here? Yes. Yes, it, uh, is. it, yes, is. it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. It's beautiful. Thank you. Probably. When did you guys first work together? I know you guys have been, I, I, you guys have done shows together. I saw you guys all do one big one at, at Abbott's. Was it like a natural thing where you guys were just friends and you were like, we should do this together? Or because you guys compliment each other so well when you guys are all on the same bill. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, we, Tina, Mike, and I, yeah, we used to be out of the country a lot because we were all friends, but our acts didn't conflict. So Nick Knight and Kinga, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Nick Knight and Kinga were always on. And what you were saying earlier, Harrison, about <clears throat> me doing stand-up comedy, magic, and Tina being silent, serious, um, that that's great for us getting booked on shows together all over the world uh, because we bring two completely different styles with us. So in the show, because we mostly work with comedians, and you hear the word uh, comic relief, I call myself serious relief 
<laughs> they finally laugh so hard at these guys that they just need a moment of okay let's just sit back and watch something move <laughs> so i kind of give yeah. it that thing i think when you have um performers who are able to ha have the ability to see a bigger picture where they're a component of something they're they're one ingredient of of a show and there's no competition within those acts right you've got a recipe for combining routines together or you know, really complimenting each other the best way possible. At the end, you look better, I think. I, I know that when I perform with Tina Leonard and, and Mike or Tina Leonard and Arden or any combination of, of performers I work with, I end up looking really great because I, I, I feel like I'm on, I'm, yeah. on the, I'm on the right stage with the right people and it's like I'm seen in the best light. And I, I actually prefer it in some ways than performing, like doing my own longer show. Yeah, me too. I've never wanted to be the big Mike Caveney magic show. Uh, I love being an act on a bill and hanging out with the other guys. And, and you know, usually I end up emceeing the show and I stand in the wings and get to watch everybody from the side. And, and uh, boy, that's when I'm in my element. Yeah, same. And Mike, I, I, Mike and Tina, have you ever considered, because you got, like there are the magic couples where they perform together. Episode two is Kaylin and Ginger and they're on stage at the same time doing one act. Although they do do separate components as well. Was there ever a thought to being on stage together or has it always yeah. been separate acts? Yeah, that lasted a week. Disaster. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the act? what did you guys try? Um, yeah, we did a couple things. We did a trade show together. Wasn't good. We did a show in New York for a couple of weeks. I blame the mustache. Uh, this was after <laughs> the mustache. The mustache. Oh, okay. I wish I could blame the mustache. We did a show in New York and... You know what? Here's the problem. I was always the magician doing my act. And then Tina had her own act. And so she was the center of attention. And when you put two people on stage together, I'm sorry, one of them is the assistant. Whoever walks off stage to pick something up and bring it, that's the assistant. And neither one of us was used to being in that position. So um, we decided there's no reason for us to do an act together. We're much better off being two acts. Well, and we like to watch, we help each other backstage. Yeah. We run each other's sound or we just kind of check on things. And, and um, yeah, the, what happened, here's the, here's the, was the, the breaking point was when we're doing that show at the bank. Oh, I know. Uh, there was some sort of watch deal. I don't remember <laughs> what it was. It's a disaster. And um, I was supposed to hand the watch behind the guy's back and Mike was something like that. And I was supposed to take it. Yeah. So, uh, somehow the watch ended up on the floor. Clearly, so Mike, dropped. Oh so, yeah, Mike says, "Oh, you dropped." And I said, "No, you didn't pick it up in time." And we started getting into this fight about who, you know, whose fault it. it was. And I understand the reason for it because there's adrenaline that goes on. I know that you know when you finish your act, you should, when when somebody walks off stage finishing their act, you don't say anything to them unless you tell them they're great. But you never say anything else because that's that adrenaline moment, especially if they if they tanked. So, uh, you know, it was those adrenaline moments, and we just thought, we, we don't have to, we shouldn't be doing this. And besides our styles, like, for some reason, my style works with Zabrecki, and we seem, and, and with Arden, yeah. that, that trio works, <clears throat> and no one is looked like, no one looks like the assistant. It's like we give this, like, this thing that works out, and I love it when I can find those moments, but we never found it, but we found that we work really well with sharing ideas. You know, I'll give Mike little ideas here, and he'll give me, he gives me a lot of ideas. So, it's a great working relationship, but we'd rather keep it up. So the Mike and Tina act worked, it lasted for two weeks. And it was miserable, yeah. And Rob Arden 
<clears throat> team ten show years. lasted for 10 years. So yeah. There you go. No, but it's uh, I I have a few more questions, but I want to make sure as we get uh past eight o'clock uh Eastern time that if you have questions for anybody, um to put them in the comments, uh we can see all of them. I want to make sure if you have any questions, uh please uh send them over via Facebook or YouTube. I think some of you are watching on Instagram as well. And thank you so much for that. Um, changing topics slightly, because I know Rob participates in this. Uh, Christopher, have you participated in the Sunday uh, the Sunday thing that Tina does? The yoga? Oh, yeah. I'm proud to say that when, yoga, when Tina was first learning to become a yoga teacher, I was Sir Lamb of other students that yeah, no, he's been coming. Yeah, both Rob and Christopher have been coming. Charter Sunday. members, charter members. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a real gift for me because I like to, you know, I just like to be able to work with my friends, you know, not strangers. Are oh, so you guys done it in the house, or has this all been? Is there is a a post Corona quarantine Zoom version? Well, it was what I while I was getting my training. I need to have experience teaching, so these guys were generous enough to come over and ooh, um, these guys were generous to come over and let me like be there. They're my guinea pigs, so to speak. That's oh, I do goat yoga now, which is really, I teach that. And that's our backyard. And that's really fun, but that's gone now for this. That picture but, with the waterfall? Yes. I was in that picture, and I looked like <laughs> a big, horrible snowman. Just this pasty white, completely ruining it. And so I went into Photoshop and painted rock all over me. And now it's beautiful. I, I would love to see the original picture where you're just like underneath the rock, and like you're trying to charge a bunch of Billy goats a toll to cross. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Sunday morning yoga here is really great because uh, Sunday morning, 11 a.m., Guy Hollingworth appears from England. He's holed up out in his little cottage. Uh, Chris is there. Rob is there. Matt King from Las Vegas is there. Um, Henry Vargas from Brazil joins us. Ines from Spain joins us. So it's a big David match. Kovac. David Kovac's a new student. David Kovac, who moved here a couple years ago. So, yeah. It's good. I don't like teaching this way, but it's certainly been interesting to, to do it that way. Yeah. That's amazing. Is it, is it I did it um, to start. I did it when they come over. We clear out the living room. That's how we started. And then I started teaching regularly, and that went away. And then when this came about, I thought, hey, this might work. And Mike said, yeah, you should try it. And so we have, you know, we got about eight people that show up. Eight people? And that, and that oh, is, I yeah, thought, yeah. Virtual, virtual people. What is the peak well, number of people that have attended these, these Sunday yoga sessions? What'd you say? What's, What's the, the peak most? number? I think we had about 15 or 16. I think yeah, I counted, I counted 15 or 16 yeah. Uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, Mark Fight, Mark Fight, and his girlfriend. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mark Fight. That was a nice surprise. Yeah, some variety performer too. It's great. Yeah, yeah Mark's great. Yeah. And is it hard not to laugh? It sounds like there are a lot of funny people. Like if Mac is involved with Williamson, no, how do you? Very, once it starts, everybody's very serious doing yeah, their thing. I was surprised, you know, to to that everybody was like really willing to. They understood. They got what's going on. But laughter is certainly acceptable. I mean, that's the beauty of it. We, we're we're all a group of friends. And it's, you know, somebody does something. I don't see anybody trying to be funny, but, you know, these are funny guys. So I always preach laughter. So it's certainly welcome. <laughs> Crying is good. It's incredible. I love picturing every single aspect of that. Uh, Rob uh, or Christopher, has there been a moment where you've had to uh, stifle something? Has somebody tr tr tried to pull something during the yoga? 
Well, I mean, when we were at Tina's house, I tried to be funny a couple of times, and I <laughs> it was not appropriate. So I yeah, doing football. It didn't go over that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad he did clipbook because now we know why he's a silent act. Right. Rob, uh, <laughs> comedy's hard. Comedy's hard. Harrison, you got to try this stuff out. They're not all winning. I will one day, one of these days, back when we can talk to other people in person. It'll be great. You know, we're all going to watch Franz Ferrari tonight. Yeah. Well, heck That could either be a complete train wreck because there's so much under my control on that, but I gave him a lot of value. Here's a pro you should I don't know if I should promote another show. He calls me up. Right. If, it's if it's a train wreck, he can then levitate it via CGI. Well, all these all these shows I feel are kind of incestuous because everyone's on another person's show, and I feel like, oh, he did that show, and mm, am I going to catch something? Um, um, but Franz, well, I don't want to throw Franz under the bus, but he'll call me up after he's already booked a guest and said, what do you know about this person? What do you know about this person? I go, well, you're interviewed. You don't know nothing. And I give him a whole background on these people because I know all of them. No, this is fun. This is like Franz's show, but professional. And yeah. I got, no, it's great. Here's what you should do. On Franz's show, you should get under your desk and, and have Thing on the table and do the whole interview with Thing. Well, Franz, here's the thing. Franz likes to um, sometimes throw his friends under a bus by embarrassing them. And I just reminded Franz, I said, remember, this is live and live works both ways. So. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, I just want you to yell now as many times as possible. That 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 would be the thing to incorporate. <laughs> Hit the tape. Wow. Lay me some tracks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before before I let uh, you go, Christopher and, and Rob, because um, we're getting into the the end zone um, of of this interview, uh, is there any final thoughts that you have on Mike and Tina's uh, on, on the eve of their anniversary, their forty first anniversary? Um. I do. Have a, what, tell me this. Well, like a touching, lasting thought. What's what's the mug I have? I have a mug from an anniversary. What number was that? It was our twenty fifth. Twenty five. Wow, that's crazy. Days. So that means that means I have that mug from twenty five, and I've already passed like, sixteen years from that. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy to me. So yeah, we I, don't, I don't get a mug. I don't get a mug. What's happening? No, you your old mug. <laughs> I'll just I'll just mark I'll put a marker over the other yeah. one. Cross out the twenty five and put forty one on it. No, Mike and Tina. Mike and Tina. Um, uh, we don't send each other birthday cards or Christmas cards, <laughs> and we don't give each other gifts. But somehow they're you gave very. You a mug. Well, you gave me a mug. Yes, and I appreciate that mug. I. But somehow they are very important, stable, core friends in my life that I think honestly my life would be very different if they were not in it. So. Oh, well, thank you so much uh, for being on the show, Christopher. Go do that other one that started way after this one. And uh, <laughs> no, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you so much for doing it, Chris. Uh, I always enjoy working with you. So, Love that picture in the back. And I uh, will talk to you soon. And right. uh, and Rob, any any last thoughts about uh, Tina, Mike? What can I say? I, I love you guys. You're like family. I, I, I wish another 41 years of, of marriage. And uh, it, you guys always amaze me. And, and you're, a, you're a model couple for, for Tommy and I. We're right behind you. Uh, I was trying to be like you guys in one way or another. And um, thanks for your, for your friendship. You're awesome. Thanks, Z. Thank you. Thank you. And you can follow Rob at Rob Zabrecki on Instagram. He also has a show, The Other Side with Zabrecki, on YouTube.com. So make sure you search for it. Check it out. Um, he's channeled many spirits. Uh, and I thank you for channeling uh, the spirit of Houdini. Uh, we appreciate that very much, Rob. Thank you so much for being here. 
I love you so much. Uh, you're a mensch, as they would say, as my my dad would say. Uh, and I hope to talk to you soon, man. Mwah. Thanks, Harrison. Okay, peace out, guys. Bye. Bye. Uh, Mike and Tina, uh, while this was happening, um, it's like the Matrix for me. I have multiple monitors. I received a uh, text from one David Williamson, um, oh. and he is he might have been able to help me. Uh, this is the photo that you sent me, and then this is the photo that he just sent me. <laughs> there it is. So I think we've unlocked it. I think we figured out the unphotoshop button. So did David take that picture? Is that how he has that? Oh, that's this. I, I don't know how he has such a high resolution version of this. Really? Photoshop job. Where was that, Skeets? What Iguazu? Iguazu in Brazil. I think David was tailing us. Oh, was he there at the same time? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, I, we, a couple of people actually put some questions in. Alex Boyce, uh, who you know from uh, Magic Camp and Beyond, wrote, what magician of the past would Mike have liked to see perform live that he didn't? And then for Tina, he said, what is Tina's favorite poster? Um, I would like to have seen Leroy Toma and Bosco, their whole show. I'd love to that's see amazing. all those guys. I'd love to see all those guys. Uh, but I think that would be the one, Leroy Tomlin Bosco, for many reasons. I think I know what Tina's favorite poster is. Do. Oh, I almost want to play the newlywed game where you have to write it down and prove it, but I'll trust you. I could go get it. You just said the butterfly. That's yeah. not what I was going to say. Tama. Oh, that too. The Tama's Tama hands with really, the coins. I, I love hands. You know, she has this beautiful hand. But the 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 the, mascot, golden, the golden butterfly, which golden was the mascot, mascot moth. moth. Yeah, yeah. I love that illusion. It's in our living room. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Rob actually asked, what's the one piece of magic history you don't own, but wish you did? Oh, you know, there's there's tons of great things. Whenever I go visit another collector, I always see great stuff. But um, I'm kind of, I don't have to have it. I'm kind of happy to, to know where it is and know that this guy's my friend and I can go visit it. And so there's there's no big glaring hole that I'm dying to, to fill. By the way, I, I'm still getting texts from David Williamson. He had, he definitely was on that trip because he has so many copies of that photo. Um, he said he was behind the rock. Um, and this is the photo that Mike sent me, the, the edited version. And uh, and David has been using Photoshop to de-edit the photos. So this is uh, the first version. And he's actually archived. You know how there's layers of paint? Like when you, when you x-ray a painting and you can see all the prior versions? He actually excavated the original version uh, which was this one. <laughs> you know what? That's not easy either. Doing that on solid ground is hard enough. Really? But throwing that coffee cup while standing in a waterfall, that's tough. Or Photoshop. That's perhaps the ultimate. <laughs> that's really amazing. Uh, yeah. Let's see if there's any more questions. We just have Chris Harper saying, Mike and Tina are the best. Oh. Uh, we have, uh, what did you think of Cramian's, Cramian's Magic Jamboree? That's a good question. Um, the answer is, is that I went back and then I went back again and then I went back again and I would, Stan used to call me and say, bring me a show, bring me a convention. So I'd book all my buddies and we had Tina and Rob and Chris and Arden and all our friends come up there and Matt King, King and David Williamson. And man, we had fun. Oh, did we have fun. Yeah, really One fun. night, uh, so Cranian, who was a big illusionist, and this convention took place in a barn at his house that was packed full of illusions. 
And they said, you know, we've got all these illusions in here. You guys can use anything you want. We said, perfect. Saturday Night Show will be an illusion show presented by Mr. Misto, because John Carney was with us, and his assistants were Tina, me, Matt King, David Williamson, and David Charvet. And it, it was the funniest thing I've, I think I've ever seen. People laughed from the very beginning till the very end without stopping. And uh, so, Cramians, it's one of those things like, like Abbott's. You couldn't do it anyplace else. It was its own thing. It was just fun. So I love Cramians. And by the way, uh, th uh, David Williamson has uh, commented to say that's the only time he didn't drop. <laughs> yeah. oh, there is some truth to that. Yes. Good friend, David Williamson. And uh, I can always count on Willie. Uh, there's one more question. Uh, this is a pretty good one. Um, you preface it by saying, okay, Mike, this is about to be a disaster. What is the one thing you run into the house to save besides for Tina, of course? You know, everybody asks that when they come to Egyptian Hall, what's the one thing? I don't have a good answer. I think I would start opening the window and just chucking stuff out the window because there's so many things here that it's just a one-of-a-kind thing. And if that gets burned up or whatever, it's gone. So... I don't know. It's tough. And, you know, and you could say, well, why don't you keep it all in a fireproof vault and what, and then never see it? No, I'd rather take my chances and, uh, and do this. D do you have a picture of David Williamson? I do, but uh, he just actually, uh, I think he is the correct answer. Because uh, you mentioned all the magic stuff you'd be throwing out the window in addition to Tina. And Williamson reminded you of the cats. Well, Tina would have already gotten the cat. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's two of them. You know, when they're kittens like that, they are so hilariously funny. And then they grow up to be mangy old cats that sit and sleep all day. And <laughs> so, Here's a grown-up version. So, yeah, Tina would have saved all the cats while I was still scratching but my I head. But I would have died trying to do it because when these cats, you know, you can't catch a cat. Yeah, if it doesn't it's like herding up. cats. <laughs> right, exactly. Do the cats have fun names? This is Mick. Mick, Nando, and Chewy. They all look exactly the same. So you just come here. call come one here. and one of them will come. come. come here. Uh, that, uh, guys, this has been amazing. Um, oh, people are still remembering that show that you were just describing. That show was awesome. Best magic oh. show ever. Oh, Hilarious. Yeah. Magic Jamboree was so fun. Uh, and one, the, one of the questions that we ask everybody on the show, it's usually our last question, uh, there are young magicians who are watching from the IBM, people who are just starting or they're they're in the midst of beginning their professional career. What advice would you guys give these young magicians um, based on all the experience that you guys have had? Um, if it speaks, it's, I don't know how to put it, but if magic speaks to you, if it draws you, then you just go for it and, and you don't give up and you don't, you, you know, it's, and don't think of it as a job that you got to, you know, make a lot of money. Just play, enjoy it. No, this is a, a one time you can do that. And you want to be able to do it the rest of your life. And there's lots of rejection, and it's not because of you. That's just how life is. People don't care. <laughs> but you have to love it more than it loves you. And um, just stay with it. Don't, don't like, just, it's, it's there. I mean, especially magic. I mean, I've, as Mike told you earlier, I've been involved in a lot of different things. And magic is just like one of the, friendliest, um, meaningful things that you get into and just do it. I mean, don't, don't hesitate. And Mike, what, what advice would you give? Um, <clears throat> ignore all advice. 
because if you, this one. <laughs> if you have truly been bitten by the magic bug, yeah. nothing, nothing else will matter. Yeah. If you were truly a magic nut kid and that's all you cared about. And I said, Oh, you should, you should stay in school and become a lawyer. You're not going to do that because you don't have time to do that because you love magic so much. Here's something I realized a couple of years ago. I went to a high school reunion and I had a terrible time. My high school reunion was bored out of my mind. And I realized the only reason I'm in this room with all these people is because our parents lived in the same town. That's all we had in common. Our parents lived in the same town. Now, all these decades later, they're <clears throat> fat and divorced and miserable and have jobs that they hate. And, you know, I don't want to hang out with those people, but all the people that I met when I joined the Magic, uh, the, the Long Beach Mystics when I was a kid, when I joined the Magic Castle and this whole world opened up to me, those are the best friends I've had in my whole life. We have everything in common. And I, I know that they'll be my friends till my dying day. So my advice is go to a magic convention, go to a magic club meeting, because that's where you'll meet your best friends. And maybe your wife or your husband. Maybe your wife. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, a happy anniversary to you guys. Um, okay. Thank you so much. Uh, there was a shout out to the Mystics. Speaking of. Hey, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Uh, and if they want to buy Tina's essay that's coming out very soon in the Astonishing Essays collection, that's available at Vanishing Ink Magic. Mike has a ton of incredible books. Uh, those are all available at mcmagicwords.com. Uh, and our guests were Rob Zabrecki. You can follow him the other side with Zabrecki and Yudu Khan. Also a shout out to Christopher Hart and to Harry Houdini, who sometimes looked like Derek Hughes, but I can neither confirm nor deny um, getting a happy anniversary from a bunch of other people as well. Um, Mike and Tina, thank you guys so, so much for doing this. You guys are, uh, are, are heroes of mine. I love you guys so much. And one more time, uh, a different set of balloons. Happy anniversary, everybody. Thanks, Harrison. It was great fun. Thank you, thank so, you so much. much. Stay safe and stay well. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Mike and Tina, everybody. Mike Caveney and Tina Leonard two of my favorite people on the planet. They are uh, just incredible and inspiring. And uh, I hope you guys had as much fun as I did. That was uh, unbelievable. Also a shout out to uh, Dave Williamson for unearthing the correct photos. Um, so I thank you for that as well. Uh, this Monday coming up, 7 p.m. EDT, 4 p.m. PDT, the amazing Jonathan. Yes, that's our guest on Monday. Uh, unbelievable. I, I, I am so excited about that. So please tune in, mark your calendars already. It's 7 p.m. on Monday. Uh, if you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. If you're on the West Coast, and if you're on Central Time, let's say five, but be on one of the coasts. They're fun. Um, but yeah, Amazing Jonathan is Monday. And a huge thank you to the IBM, the International Brotherhood of Magicians, who present and make this show possible. Magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. And here's a bonus. This is all available now as a podcast. So if you want to, uh, I don't know how much driving you're doing uh, or how much time you're commuting, but if you do want to enjoy this uh, as a podcast, you can. It's now available on Apple Music. Um, you can check out whobooksthat.com. That's a website I haven't built yet, so maybe don't do that. Um, but Apple Music, you just search for Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum on iTunes or Apple Music uh, or a podcast if you've updated it. And you'll be able to download all the episodes uh, that we've already had in audio format. So that's pretty cool. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 
Harrison Comedy. Tomorrow I'm doing Scam Online, a virtual magic show that I do every Thursday night at 8 p.m. So make sure you tune in for that. My name is Harrison Greenbaum. This has been Who Books That? Books That. Thanks so much to everybody for commenting. Uh, really, really appreciate it from all around the world, from Italy to Australia, even to Pennsylvania. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you here on Monday for every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. EDT. This has been Who Books That? We'll see you real soon. Who books that? I'm making up this song right now. <laughs>